Hello everyone. Soon I will disappear into a cave on the side of a mountain somewhere and write season two of St. Anthony's Tongue, which will purely cover mysticism and the mystical saints. But before I vanish, I wanted to share some of my experiences that I've had with the divine. And as I'll explain in the episode, this is in no way trying to elevate me and my spirituality. It's not that at all. But it's because I want to really showcase this path of experience. This path that is not an exercise of the mind, but is of the heart. And I've realized the best way to do that is to open up about some of the things that I have seen prior to starting the podcast, but things that have been building within me in my prayer life throughout this past year while recording. Similarly, it's only fitting as to before we start going down the path of the mystics to share mystical experiences. So here I am opening up something that I did not intend on doing, but a testimony to God's love. I really hope you enjoy. Thank you. Peace be with you and with your spirit. As I've said in the previous Reflection episodes, I never intended for this podcast to include this much about me. The podcast still is objective. And it will always be objective. However, when people come to me with questions and concerns about their spiritual life, in which I have enjoyed answering, in those circumstances, I am put in a position in which I have to talk about me. Similarly, when we have discussed saints and topics in which there are many things to look at, I have to talk about me. Similarly, as people have come to me and discussed their background and experiences with spiritual wounds and religious trauma, when I talk about certain topics, I have to talk about my point of view on those topics, or else they may take that topic in a direction that is toxic. For instance, the demonic series. I have to give my POV, or at least my POV amongst others, or else they may go down a darker path that could lead to obsessive thought. But overall, it was never, and will never, be about W. I go by an initial. <laughs> I did not show my face on social media for quite a while. 
But as this community has grown and all of you amazing people have supported me and included me on your spiritual journeys, myself and my views have become part of this. But one thing, one topic that I have been faithful in refraining from discussing on the podcast have been my own personal experiences with the divine and my own personal spiritual experiences or what you might want to call mystical experiences. Now, why is this? First, I have refrained from talking about any of my personal mystical experiences because it's simply not the point. And I have always been taught that the sensory experiences are not the point. And this isn't just in Christian or Catholic spirituality. When I used to sit zazen, we would do winter-long retreats, two, three weeks for me, called Sashin. And we were told, and we were always taught, you are going to have sensory experiences during this, because in a way you're doing a form of sensory deprecation. You're going to have these experiences, and you're told to let them go. They aren't the point. Some of the more extreme and old-school Buddhists would say that these experiences are brought on by the, the demon of samsara, distracting you from reaching enlightened states. And in Abrahamic and mysticism and meditation, and I'm sure others too, the point isn't these experiences. The point is union with God, not experiences of the body. And if you get a message or you get something important, run it through your conscience and test it. But even visions, you say hi and you ignore it. If you get a good message, keep it. I was always taught that these things could happen. But I was also taught that they're not the point. I also have never talked about my mystical or spiritual experiences because I've never wanted comparisons. Because comparisons are distracting. Because I have feared, and this is something I was also taught, that if I share what I have seen or experienced, that people will try to see and experience the same thing. If I told you that I saw candle flame dancing and it appeared like a saint's face, you're going to stare at that candle flame until you see the saint's face, and I don't want that, because Spirit and God will speak to all of us differently. And lastly, though, and this is the biggest one, I've never wanted to talk about it because it's not a contest of who has had the most mystical experiences. And I want to remain humble, too. Similarly, I do not want you to judge your own prayer life and meditation life on this barometer of if you have had sensory experiences, because you are going to miss the point. Because God speaks to all of us differently. 
You'll hear what I have to say and you will think, well, I haven't experienced anything like that. Maybe I'm not advanced. Maybe I'm not as pious or holy as W and I can assure you that I am more broken than you are. I am more of a sinner than you are and I am no better or any worse than you are. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of saints who have never spoken of mystical experiences but are revered. Because again, God speaks to us in different ways. Loud and flashy spiritual experiences are not the only way God appears. And God rarely appears in that form. And lastly, like I already alluded to, it keeps me humble to not talk about these things because again, I am not a spiritually advanced person. I am just a dude with a podcast. So, why all of that build up? Because as I said, the more my own POV has become part of this podcast, my own POV is what? A large part of my POV is the fact that we have gotten away from experience when it comes to religion. People even say I am spiritual but not religious as if there are a separation. My POV is experience. And if I am going to talk about my point of view, it makes sense that I open up about experiences because these experiences for me have allowed me to go beyond the mental and just take part in a mystery. And in doing this, it has eased my mind and allowed me to go beyond the intellectual when it comes to the divine. And similarly, I feel like one of the things that hinders people's relationship with God, especially in a Christian sense, is how far we've gotten away from mysticism. Like I've said, we approach religion with our minds. It becomes an exercise of the mind rather than the heart. And when I've had to speak on my own personal views on things, there's always been something that's hard to verbalize. And it's that my experiences and the feelings I get, they're always going to trump the theological thing that is put in front of me, the theological question that is put in front of me, these ontological arguments that are put in front of me. I, I, I don't even think about it because that's not how I approach God. And that's not to say that feeling is the only thing that matters. But a personal experience with the divine will and always should trump certain theological concepts. Even the greatest thinker of the Western church in the eyes of the church today, St. Thomas Aquinas said, I have had this experience and I have seen God and it makes everything I have ever written seem like straw. So when I talk about belief, there's something else there, and I just want you to know that I've seen it. Because since I've seen it, I know what really matters. And I want you to know what really matters too. So in short, for my perspective to be best understood, I have decided that I need to share some experiences I've had that you might call mystical. 
And similarly, next season will be purely on the Mystics. So it only makes sense that I begin to share. So, here it goes. A few years ago, I began to have vivid dreams involving my deceased relatives. These dreams were more than dreams. I don't have words to accurately depict what it is that they were, but some mornings I would wake up and I would smell my dead grandpa's aftershave on my pillow. And I even had partners that would see apparitions of what they perceived to be loved ones watching me sleep. These dreams went on for probably two years. And they finally culminated into a very distinct one. I was in my childhood church. And this church had been destroyed in a hurricane in 2005. And even then, it had been years and years since I ever stepped foot in it. Alas, I could smell it. I could smell the incense. I could feel the shaggy red carpet under my feet. And I could see the layout, the nuances, the details, things I had not seen in well over a decade. I could see the facial expressions of saint statues. I could see the color of the wires that were holding up the bloody crucifix above the altar. I could see the chairs in the crying room. The light shining forth through the stained glass. During this dream in this church that no longer existed in this realm, I was seated on the steps of the altar. And in front of me was a long line of people. It was all of the relatives that I had been dreaming of, but this time more. My grandfather, grandmother, great-grandmother, great-grandfather, uncles, aunts, cousins, and people whose face I did not recognize with my eyes, but within my heart I knew who they were, and they were my flesh and blood. And one by one, my family, my departed family approached me. They held me. And in their arms, they asked how I was doing. They whispered to me words of encouragement. Some just embraced me and cried. It was then that I noticed all the women were carrying rosaries. And after they'd visit me, they'd go off in the pews and pray, whispering Hail Marys. And all of the men were wearing medals of saints. And the final relative was my rather stoic but loving grandfather, who had been the main actor in these dreams that have been recurring over the last year or two. Do you get it? He asked me. 
All right now, he said. And I woke up crying. And that morning, I bought saint medals and rosaries. And when that rosary came, I prayed it. I hadn't prayed the rosary since elementary school, so I placed a cheat sheet next to me on the floor and I fumbled through the Hail Marys. And two decades in, something happened. I can only explain it as if I felt a seed was planted into me. And every Hail Mary was like the watering of it. And every Our Father was like the sun. Fostering the growth of whatever this was that I now felt in my heart. And this started a journey and an appetite to explore what it was that I was feeling. I decided to do that by devouring information on the lives of the saints. And that included me beginning to do novenas. And during my first novena to St. Benedict, on the second day, I sat with my very bare altar. It was just a Marian statue, a white novena candle, and a prayer card to St. Benedict, and my rosary. And I began to read the Psalms, because I read and knew that St. Benedict liked the Psalms. And I was already in a, a certain state. And I had been in this state already because of the dreams and all of that and the rosary praying that I was doing. And I prayed the rosary a few times that night. And I prayed that night already and I was in this state is the best word I can find. And I was reading Psalm 91. I read it over and over and over again, out loud. And I got to this part. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him. Because he knows my name. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And when I said the words, because he knows my name, I heard, felt, intuited this voice. And the voice said, yes, look, look at me. And the statue on my altar of Mary just looked different. And I kept reading the psalm. And I got to it again because he knows my name and I felt, intuited, heard this voice saying it with me because he knows my name because he knows my name, 
because he knows my name. And we prayed it together. Me and Mary together because he knows my name. Because he knows my name. And this next part <laughs> is just going to seem ridiculous and that's fine. The next night on the third night of the novena, I prayed to my guardian angel. Something that I had done before and something that I had felt before. This time I prayed to my guardian angel deeply, sincerely. I offered up my prayers to God and I asked my guardian angel to pray with me. And as I thanked my guardian angel, in front of my novena candle, I saw two eyes hovering above the flame. I can only describe what I felt next as two eyes penetrating deeply into my soul and completely setting my heart on fire. And that feeling that almost uncomfortable feeling that I do not feel in my body, but I feel in my spirit has remained with me ever since. So in an effort to continue to water the seeds of whatever it was that was planted, but to also fan the flames of my burning heart, I dove into this more fully. I created this podcast to share what I was learning about the saints and some of the practices that interested me. While also personally, I was using this knowledge to feed this hunger and to fan the flames of love that were set forth in my heart and in my soul. And as my prayer life increased, so did my appetite and hunger for more. Eventually, I would feel pulled to get away from my home altar and spend time in the pews of churches. Not at mass, just to be in God's house. And eventually I felt a hunger for the Eucharist. When I received it again for the first time and well over a decade, again I sobbed, only increased this fire that I have felt in my heart. And ever since, I still have had this appetite for more of what I have been feeling and to continue to water these seeds and fan these flames. 
as well as this strong desire to share a message of God's celestial army in God's love, especially in a world in which God is being slandered as a man of wrath rather than a father of love. So alongside sharing information, my friends, I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to feel the arms of God around you like I do. Again, it's not because I'm better or more worthy or more deserving. No, 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 no. I just want you to feel this too. So when people are confused over my relationships with labels, why do you not use terms like we do? Because the graces I have personally experienced have not come at the hands of something I would call magic or spells or witchcraft or whatever. No, they've come through the rosary, through the saints, through Mary, through God, through the Holy Spirit, through my holy guardian. This is not magic. This is not witchcraft. This is not folk beliefs or rituals. This is simply the spiritual system in which my God has put forth for all of us to take part in. And then I get W, how do you reconcile the horrors the Catholic Church has done? How do you reconcile that with your own spirituality? How do you explain these logical issues about Christianity, about Christ, about so on? Explain to me in logic. Talk to me with your intellect about how this makes sense. How do I reconcile this because my heart has been pierced with such a feeling of love that I cannot shake it? In the fire that is burning inside of me, in the garden that is blooming is larger and bigger than any corrupt church official, and I will not let the corruption taint how I personally express my love of God. Because my relationship with the church is not a relationship of logic or even emotion, it's the spiritual pull that again surpasses labels. And if I was not born into this, I am unsure of what labels I would have used. But that's the thing. If you've had a glimpse of God, then everything feels like straw apart from that union. Nothing matters but God. And more importantly, and this is something people have difficulty with, I have found a home within this spiritual system, in the communion of saints, in the army of the angels, in the love of a mother, and in the light of a redeemer. It is not about the mind. It is not even about the actions of the corrupt, of the evil. It's not about the poor, behavior of the hypocrites who would find themselves gnashing their teeth with the damned eventually. It's not about any of that. It's about what I've been feeling in my heart. And these glimpses have continued in various ways. 
but I will keep some of them for me. I will keep some of them for myself. So as I said in episode one, I am now saying in this season finale episode, if you want to call it that, I just want you to feel what I feel in my heart and in my soul. And if you find that within church doors, beautiful. If you find it within the cathedral of your own soul at the foot of your home altar, that's beautiful too. Where you find it is secondary. The point is just that you find it. That you find that union. That you find this love so that God can bestow their love and graces upon you. As you are their beloved. You are their bride. You are their child. I'm talking to you right now. You are the culmination in a living testament to the love of God. You are their final draft before entering this earth. It's not where, it's not even how, it's just that you do it, that you find it. I point to the moon, but do not look at my finger. Look at the moon. Look at the moon. And this is what I love so much about the mystics. Sure, many were orthodox in their beliefs, some less so. However, my attraction to them isn't caught up in following the rules. It's also not even caught up in belief caught up in this experience. It's centered in this want to unite with God. And that too has been an undercurrent of this podcast. And I think that's why so many people are drawn to the mystics too. It's less about theology, even though many were theologians. It's not about that. It's about direct union. We've gotten away from this. We've gotten away from union. We've gotten caught up in this black and white minutia of theology. It's not about theology. It's about loving God and all of his creation and seeing how all of that creation points back to God. So again, It's not how or where, it's just that you do it. So, I'm very excited for next season to share some of my favorite mystical saints and touch on some other mystical topics and how these great souls have united with their creator talk about their history, their stories, their rebellion, how they expressed their spirituality. So, where do we go from here? I will now be retreating back to wherever it is that I came from <laughs> to write this next season for all of you. 
And I am so excited to write it, to record it, and offer this to you. This next season will be a love letter from me to my God, and a love letter to all of the great saints who have inspired me, who are chasing the same thing as I am while also closing my eyes and feeling warmed by his holy embrace. So thank you for listening to this episode of St. Anthony's Tongue, as well as the other 50 plus episodes I've done this year. You have assisted me in ways that are beyond words, and I am forever grateful for you, and I will always be praying for you. So, join me in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for allowing my path to cross with whoever is listening to this right now. Thank you for allowing my path to cross with everyone who has listened to this podcast. Thank you for piercing my heart. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for the opportunity to spread your love with others. But moreover, thank you for bringing all of these amazing people into my life. May you continue to hold them close until we all meet again. Amen. Peace be with you. And goodbye.